Awesome. Well, thank you all for coming out tonight. This is great. Yeah, it's great being here. Um, I'm Lamont or Monty, and professionally, I'm a psychotherapist, and I, I've also trained in mindfulness a lot over the last 30 years. And uh, Jalen is a yoga therapist. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah. yeah, so we were thinking we would start this evening with a skill oh. right away. How's that sound? Are you ready? Okay, so what we're going to do is get settled. Bring yourself fully into your body with your breath. Breathing into your back. Breathe into your low back all the way to the top of your lungs. And as you exhale, just lengthen your spine a little bit. The back of your neck lengthens a little bit. Getting present and here, arriving fully for our time together. So I'm gonna share a mantra with you to go with your breath. So exhaling wherever you're at, exhaling all the way. As you inhale, in your mind, say, I. As you exhale, in your mind, say, am. As you inhale, in your mind, say, here. And as you exhale, in your mind, say, now. And with your breath following, I am here now. And we'll just do several rounds, and I'll play the chime so you have something to hear. And just feeling that I am here now in your spine, in your body, inviting your mind, your spirit, your energy, your emotional field to all be aligned nose to nose and toes to toes. And this next round, make sure you bring it to your low back. Bring the words almost as if you're bringing them right to your adrenals, the bottom back of your lungs. Just let your nervous system come back to rest and relaxation. And just completing the next round of I am here now. And here we are. <laughs> 
I hope that everyone felt that. Thank you. Yeah. <coughs> Thanks for playing along with us. It's all a game, right? Hmm. Okay. <laughs> Seems like my voice is loud. Maybe that's just me. I don't know. It's not loud. It's okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. Forget that. <laughs> that's my own freaked out mind. <laughs> but speaking of the mind, I want to talk a little bit about the mind. And um, one thing that differentiates us from the animals, humans from the animals, is we create stuff. And it all begins in our minds, right? All this electronic stuff, the camera, the stage, the building, just everything, it all began in the human mind. You know, so the mind is a very powerful instrument where of manifestation, essentially. Super powerful. It's our minds are way more powerful than we understand, I believe. And I believe it, you know, it makes sense to work on honing our minds, training our minds, so we're able to, to truly manifest a, you know, our, what we're destined, the way we're destined to be, our, you know, our highest self or you know, just collectively, a better culture, a better culture for our kids and our grandkids. And if we're going to evolve, which I believe we are, it, this is where it begins, in our own minds. You know, and, and nowadays, I mean, the, you know, I mean, a negative self-talk, for example. For example, that is culturally really uh, prevalent, I would say. You know, and what are we doing? What are we doing when we're talking, when we hear that voice in our head that's like cutting myself down, you know. I'm at war with myself at that point. I'm at war with myself. And collectively, we talk a lot about war, right? I mean, all the war that's going on, and wars and wars, and lots of wars, you know. And um, if we're, if we're going to get beyond that, step one is we got to get beyond the war in our own minds. That's the first step to take. And then collectively, things will shift, right? <clears throat> so I'll just talk about the first step. The first, the king and queen of mindfulness practice is called metacognition. Metacognition. And what that means is cognition of cognition, watching our own thoughts, watching them, mindfully watching our thoughts. And you know, they've done studies, they're trying to figure out how many thoughts we have in a day, humans. Does anybody have a guess? How many thoughts? Jeremy, how many thoughts do you have in a day? Unlimited. Unlimited. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he's infinite. A million. No, well, they, they, they think like 10,000. 10,000 thoughts a day. 
Boom, boom, boom. So these dots just are like flashes that come, in, come at us. So how do we learn? 10,000. 10, I mean, that's... Average. Well, that's a gap. <laughs> I mean, that's, you know, a scientific study that, that you know, it's really tough to... But a lot. We have a lot of thoughts every day. And through metacognition, we learn to witness these thoughts, to witness the patterns of thinking, essentially. We witness our, our different, the different aspects of our personalities. You know, for example, an aspect of my personality, which I, I've noticed through metacognition, through watching my thoughts, through watching the thoughts and observing them from a scientific perspective, by the way. You watch those thoughts and you want to, you don't want to like judge yourself if you have super negative thoughts, right? Or terrible thoughts or whatever. We all, I think we all have some of that, you know? And, <clears throat> but if we, if we just notice the thoughts from a scientific perspective, use metacognition, and then we're able to identify, oh, that's that old pattern, of thinking, or that's that personality trait that I have. Like, for example, one of my personality traits I've noticed when I'm laying in bed before, I don't, I don't like getting up some mornings, you know, and I have like this whiny voice. So I have like this whiny personality aspect, you know, that, that gears up, and I, but I notice it now, and now I counter it. I counter that aspect with them. Um, a mindfulness skill, which we'll be working on in a little bit. But in doing so, I'm diminishing, I'm diminishing the unproductive patterns of thought in my mind while I'm trying to add to the productive patterns of thought in my mind. So I'm cultivating, I'm cultivating my mind garden, you see. And... Um, but metacognition is really key to start this whole process. Because if we don't notice our thoughts, if we don't notice our thoughts, if we just let, let them run, 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 then the typical thing is people self-identify with their thoughts. They think th the thoughts are them, right? Oh, those are my thoughts. That's me. No, it's not. It's your thoughts. It's your, you have a projector that's like projecting these thoughts into a screen. And you can notice that. And you can have control somewhat over what's projected, right? And a lot of us are stuck because we have old habits, old patterns of thought that have been passed down from generation to generation to generation to generation to generation. And human beings, we've been, human beings, according to, you know, science, have been around for 200,000 years. You know, so there, there have been many, many generations. So if we look at all of our ancestors, goes back, you know, just generation after generation after generation. It's, it's mind-boggling if you think you have 10,000 generations of ancestors going back to, it's like, whoa. But the thing is, way back then, we needed, we needed this, this kind of warring mentality in our minds. 
because we needed to survive and we needed to fight over the water hole or none of us would even be here. And we needed that. Our, our ancestors needed that. But now we have enough to share and we need to learn how to reprogram our thoughts or our patterns, our habitual patterns of thinking. And that's what we do. Yeah, and I'd like to add that a piece of our ancestors that we don't have the ease of experiencing is that they had more time to just watch the trees and the sky and go pick berries, where we are just constantly in go, 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 go. So that's a piece that I think uh, was passed on or that part was not passed on and was actually seen as a, a weakness to just stare off in space, right? How many times have you been told, like, get back to it, you know? So I feel that piece is a, a modern inconvenience, really. And what I'd like to add to the metacognition piece is as we become more aware of now, this moment, and as we can tease out what is the past, then we have more power over this moment and how we create the future. That takes a lot of skill and it takes a lot of reflection to be able to say, oh, I think I might be repeating a past pattern. Hmm, let me think about this. When else have I done this? You know, it takes time, it takes effort, it takes, um, yeah, training in my opinion. I've been also training for 20 years now and maybe a little longer, meditating almost every day. Um, and I would say that I am not the same person that I used to be. You would not recognize me. So I can attest to the power of putting effort in every day and seeing where it gets you. So we're hoping to give you a few skills, that something that'll, yeah. that'll spark something inside that makes you feel like, I think I'm gonna try this, just, just five minutes a day, you know? It can really change your life. Well, there have been studies that show that through this type of training, you actually, the frontal lobe in your brain actually gets bigger. And thicker. Thicker, and the amygdala, the primal brain actually shrinks and the connection between the two gets stronger. So the frontal lobe is executive functioning. This is where we can make good decisions. If we're stuck back here, we're triggered and we can create a lot of problems for ourselves, behaviorally. Mm -hmm. And you're right, we, what Jay was just saying, we used to like have time to just pick we had to pick the berries, and we had a lot of time where the mind was just quiet. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're missing nowadays, right? That's one thing we notice with the metacognition too, not just what you're thinking, but how much you're thinking, right? And if, we're, if the mind, there's two aspects to the mind. There's two aspects. One of those aspects is like analysis. We're great at analyzing things. Another aspect of the mind, the other aspect of the waking mind, is just quiet, where the mind, you're just present, 
and in the moment. Essentially, your mind is in a place that transcends words. So you're in a transcendental place. And ideally, for the mind to really function optimally, we want to analyze something and then have quiet somehow. Then analyze quiet, analyze quiet. If we can have that pattern throughout the day, the mind is working most effectively. But if the mind is caught in just thinking, 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 compulsive thinking, trying to think our way out of everything, ruminating, thinking, then the, the, and the, the, the result, our minds are not designed to be thinking machines. You know, that's, our minds are designed to think and then to have quiet. And if we get stuck in overanalyzing everything, our mind gets agitated. Our mind gets agitated. We're not, we're not, the mind is just like, whoa, what's going on? All this, you know, all this screen time, all that data we take in, into our minds. The way the mind works is you take something in, take some image in and some words in, then the mind processes that information. So if you're continually ingesting information, the mind is continually ingesting, processing, ingesting, processing, ingesting, processing. And it just, everything gets agitated because there's no space there. There's no quiet. And that's why we teach skills that give us that quiet here and here and here and here. And we teach skills where you can use stuff that you can use throughout the day. That's one big difference or one aspect of the way we teach mindfulness that's different than most mindfulness teachers. It's just, you know, sitting in meditation 20 minutes at night. But we're more of the ilk or of the um, team that believes, you know, mindfulness, you carry it with you wherever you go. You can carry it with you wherever you go mm-hmm. and get into that zone just periodically as much as possible throughout the day. And then you'll notice, and then you'll notice the mind will be less agitated. So guess what? There's less anxiety. Another aspect of the agitated mind is the agitated mind wearing out. That's depression, right? So how do we avoid that? We, we find space between our thoughts. You know, we notice, we, we develop the skill of metacognition. We work on cultivating our own mental habits. Yeah. Okay, so we're going to share some tidbits about trauma because we've all been through trauma just in the last two years, a collective trauma together. There's no way to not notice that, right? I would say everyone that I've uh, seen has experienced more anxiety, more depression, more um, fear over the last two years than most of us could add up in the rest of our life. Um, so we have a collective trauma, right? But let's, before we go into collective trauma, what he was saying about the gen, uh, passed on trauma, it's called epigenetic trauma. And it's when um, the mother passes on her stress load to the fetus. And I know that can be kind of depressing for us mothers who really wanted to be the best moms we could be, but it's just the truth. It's just the way it is. It's our, the way 
physiology happened <laughs> in our human um, beingness. So sometimes a child grows up and they have no idea why they have such a high anxiety level. And m mom was loving, you know, what, what's, what gives? I don't understand. And then when, it, when they figure it out and they really dive in, it ends up mom was super anxious. And that anxiety was passed on while she was carrying the baby. And that, to me, it, knowledge is power. You know, and yeah, I'm sad that I was anxious while I was carrying my babies, you know, but at the same time, knowledge is power, and I can do my best and my darndest to be a good example now. It's, for me, it says the line stops here. I'm not letting it go past here. You know, and it's kind of a resolve inside to say, okay, yes, I have trauma. And all of us, every single one of us has trauma. Probably. I haven't met anybody who doesn't, Yeah. honestly. I met somebody who said she didn't, and then we talked a little more, and we found out that she actually did. So it's just something that we deal with as a human species, and, but we can heal. And that's the cool thing, that you can heal trauma. What is trauma? Trauma is the wound sustained by overwhelming events. That's the actual definition for it. So it's a wound. You have to clean a wound. You have to take care of a wound. You have to let it rest. You have to pay attention to it. And so it's something that we can take care of and we can heal and we can grow beyond. So we have this collective trauma. How do we deal with that? Well, we can say, oh, everybody needs to do this, this, and this, and this. But really, the only people, the only person that we have complete and utter control of is ourself. So every time we stop and pause and say, oh, I think I'm getting anxious. I don't need to be anxious right now. That's the metacognition. I'm going to take a few breaths. I am here now. Okay. How can I go about this differently? How can I respond differently? Right? So, do you have any thoughts you want to add to trauma? Well, I mean, if you just, again, you go back from generation to generation, just, I mean, humanity's been through a tremendous amount of trauma. Tremendous, mind-bending, you know, just the trauma, World War II, World War I, you know, just blah, blah, blah. It keeps going back. So we, we've been through a lot. Humanity has been. And perhaps now is the time for us to, like, heal that. And at least move in that direction. And this, this is a question, from my perspective, this is a question of freedom. You know, do we, do we want to be free from excessive anxiety? Do we want to be free from excessive depression? Do we want to be free from excessive negative self-talk? Do we want to be free from excessive addiction to whatever? Do we want to be free to feel the joy of life? Yeah, yeah, to be able to, yeah. So it's from my perspective, this 
this work is a way to become more free in our minds and in our lives. And yeah, maybe we could go over a mindfulness skill. Sounds good. Okay. Um, how about optimal breathing? <laughs> now, optimal breathing is great because it's a skill you can use anytime, anywhere when you're in a stressful situation or before you go, in, if you're walking into a stressful situation, before you get there. Actually, it's a good skill to try and just work into your day throughout the day. And what it is, it's breathing. It's, it sounds easy, but it's, it takes a little bit of practice, but it's just breathing optimally. And that means when we breathe in, we feel our ribs, the, the quick version of that is you feel your ribs expand underneath your armpits as you're breathing in. So just give that a, <laughs> give that a try. <laughs> Are you up for that, Paula? <laughs> <laughs> Paul moves over. <laughs> so, breathing in and just try and feel the ribs expand underneath your armpits. If you want to join along, give that a shot. Exhale and the ribs come together and lengthen the exhalation. A lot of us are caught up in shallow breathing. A lot of us, probably the majority of us, are caught up in shallow breathing. And we can, we can remedy that through this practice. So let's breathe in again. Ribs expand and then exhaling all the way. And when I'm in a meeting, I'm breathing this way. If I walk into a stressful situation, I try and breathe this way. Because it brings more oxygen to our brains and to our muscles. If we get caught up, if we're habitually in this pattern of shallow breathing, we're starving our brains of oxygen. We're not getting enough breath per, or enough oxygen per breath. So guess what? The heart has to beat faster. Boom, 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 boom. So yeah, through this type of breathing, heart rate slows. And the thing is, you, want, you, you just want to keep it relaxed. You don't want to be too forceful with it but you want to be aware of it. Optimal breathing is a great practice to use anytime, anywhere. Would you like to add something? To yes. <laughs> okay. So if you feel comfortable, you can bring your hands to your belly. Over the belly button is the most energetic in my opinion, my personal opinion. And if you... Let the breath fill the back of the body to the front. So the back bottom of the lungs is where your kidneys are and your adrenals are right on your kidneys. They sit right there. So if you want to get control of your fight-flight response, breathe into the back bottom of your lungs, down your spine, let it fill the belly, expand your lungs and your rib cage. Feel the heat of your hands on your belly. See if you can allow that heat from your hands to reach your spine.
It's almost like you're trying to send a signal to your adrenals that it's okay, we're going to relax now. And just notice if you can get that spot in your back to relax, how it affects the rest of your body and your mind. And we'll just take a few more breaths together. And on this next breath, just reminding yourself, I can do this at any time. And before we go on, just notice how does that affect your mind? How does it mm. affect your body? Did your shoulders relax? Did your low back relax? Just notice. Mm -hmm. Does your mind feel more quiet? Mm -hmm. It's a good question. I mean, it's good to notice. It's important. When we're resting, our brain uses 70% of our body's oxygen. So it really pays to oxygenate the body just periodically throughout the day as much as possible. Yeah, a piece that's coming to my mind is that no matter what we've been through, we can use these skills to, like Monty was saying, bring that energy to the, the prefrontal cortex of the brain and sometimes that can mean just, you know, when you were a kid and you'd, sorry, and you'd be like, oh my God, what's happening to me? And you'd have your hand, and every time I lean down, the mic does the funny thing. But you know what I'm saying, right? I think that was our bodies knowing, because this is, it feels so good. And in Reiki, they put, you put your hands over the eyes, and, you know, this is your third eye. I mean, even just touching your forehead can really bring you so much awareness of what's going on here. Am I tense? What, what's happening? And maybe you're not, but I tell you what, at night before I go to bed, I put my hands over my eyes and just notice how much tension I've held in my eyeballs for how many hours. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really feels good. <laughs> and that's how we can really just stop. Well, it's not stopping, right? Because the primal brain 
is where it stops. It stops right there. I mean, how many times have you had a neck ache and you're, it's because you've been in fight flight for a whole day and you're, you're like, oh, wow, I'm in pain. What's going on? That's your primal brain has not allowed anything to come forward to really think it out. You know, you've been in that primal, how do I get safe? How do I get safe? And that's the one and only thing that you're working on. But by breathing, by using a mantra, by bringing your hands, you know, there's all seven chakras, right? Bringing your hands to bring awareness to you. Then you're bringing that highway through the brain to the front where you have more choice. You have more ability to make clear decisions. Yeah, I would say an ex I've known <clears throat> an extreme case where somebody would get triggered. So we're talking about being triggered. When you get triggered, it's like, oh, you know, and you get tense. And you can't breathe hardly. And <gasps> anxiety, paranoid thoughts, worst case scenario thinking, oh, you know, all this. I, I, I worked with one woman, she had an extreme case of trauma. And when she got triggered, her primal brain would be so triggered and so disconnected from her frontal lobe, she wouldn't even remember what she did. I mean, so it's just, that's the extreme um, case of like the primal brain just being in charge. And as I'd mentioned through the, the mindfulness practice, you're gonna strengthen that connection, the connection between the primal and the frontal lobe gets stronger so new neural connections are made. Mm -hmm. New neural connections are made in the prefrontal cortex. So then the question is, okay, if I grow my brain, let's say I work, I mean, they've done studies like in eight weeks, after training for eight weeks, your brain has changed. You know, so the question is, okay, if I work at this stuff for six months and I significantly alter my brain, physically, how will I feel different? How will I see the world differently? What will life be like then? So it's just an interesting question to ponder. Because mm -hmm. we, can, we can make that decision now. Oh, I'm gonna, it's like lifting weights. So oh, I can lift weights for my brain now. Mm -hmm. you know, essentially, which all this training is, it's lifting weights, it's training for the brain. Yeah. And essentially, you're training your mind and you're training your body, and you're training your breathing. And it, it just, it, it affects every aspect of your life. And um, I think I'd like to just go over uh, another mindfulness skill that's 100% intellectual, which is probably the skill I do the most. And it's, it's great for um, people in our culture, because we're so intellectual. You know, we're so in our heads. But this is a way to, to address when you notice, when you notice your, some person, you use your metacognition, you notice, let's say you have some negative self-talk going on, and you notice it. And this is a way to, bam, shut it up. It's a way to take charge of that. So in essence, instead of 
your thoughts and your old patterns running you, right? Instead of them controlling you, no, you get to control your old patterns. You get to take charge again. So it's super empowering. We don't have to be, we don't have to take that anymore when the, the negative self-talk is happening or unproductive thinking. But this practice, it's, it's very simple. And all it is, is just repeating the phrase, thank you, in your mind when you notice this happening. When you notice some unproductive mind pattern occurring, just repeat the phrase, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and bam, it shuts it up. And besides that, it's really interesting because it kind of sets, it changes your, from my own personal experience, like I said, when I'm laying in bed and I have the whiny personality aspect talking, I don't want to get up, blah, 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 cry, whine, whine, whine. And then I go into thank yous, I shut that up, but besides that, I get, I take on the personality aspect of feeling grateful and seeking. So my mind begins seeking positive things. So I'll be laying in bed, whining about not wanting to get up for whatever reason. I can come up with a million reasons probably, you know. But then I quiet that down with thank yous. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And then I'm like, oh, this pillow is pretty soft. I'm grateful for that, you know. And, oh, I have this, you know, this structure over me. It's keeping the, the wind off me. And, you know, it's pretty nice in here. You know, I get up. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And I pretty much do this every morning. It's right when I, I'm kind of getting, I'm in the habit. That's a thing. To really use this stuff, you need to get into the habit. And how do you get in the habit? Through practice. And the thank you practice is great because it's 100% internal. Nobody knows you're doing it except you. It's like your superpower. You know, and a lot of people who are into manifesting, they say the way to manifest things, the way to become a better manifester is to get into that place of gratitude, right? So this is a way of consciously doing that just by saying thank you. And it, like I mentioned, for me, it, boom, it, my personality characteristic that emerges is one that seeks gratitude. So I start seeing good things. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And um, mm -hmm. I'd like it's to It's add, simple. Yeah. I'd like to add to that. So uh, I'm trained in many things, but one of them is Kundalini Yoga. And we were trained that 40 days breaks a habit, 90 days makes a habit, 120 days, it, it, the habit starts to become you, and a thousand days you master the habit. So if you do something every day for 40 days, whatever that was that you're doing is going to help you in breaking some habit that you don't want to do anymore. Keep going, 90 days, you've created a new habit, 120 days, the habit starts to become you in a thousand days, you master it. And I've only, I've, I've not completed a thousand days yet, but I'm working on it, so I'm pretty excited. I've done so many 40 day ones though, and they're really fun.
because I like to make life a game. So I'll put it on the calendar the day I start, and I'll count 40 days, and I'll put this is my 40 day, and I'll put a check on each day that I did it, and it becomes a game. And why not have fun with life, right? Yeah. Yeah, gamification, for sure. Yeah. Lightens things up. Let's lighten things up a bit here. I mean, the way I see it, 100 years, flash lightning. That's it. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, I'll make the best of it. Yeah. I'll try my best. <laughs> you know? <Yeah. laughs> it's not always going to go my way. Yeah. You know, but thank you. I'll be, I'll be as grateful as I possibly can be. You know, I, I believe in that, and I, I, I suggest for my clients that they try and say at least 100 thank yous a day. At least 100, you know. It's easy. Easy peasy. You'd be, it'd be so easy for you, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, yeah. I did, yeah. And it's, it's beautiful because it's so simple. It's mm -hmm. so simple. And then if I'm really struggling, got that trigger, I'm in a weird situation, I'm working on the optimal breathing and the thank yous. You see? Mm -hmm. You can come, you know, you can get, get creative with this stuff. You know, mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. So I feel like let's do 108. Okay. Okay. So this is a mala. I've been using, I made this mala and I've been using it a really long time. And I will say it out loud and the rest of you can say it in your mind. How's that sound? Okay. Thank you. 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 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. That's lovely. <laughs> All right. Um, MMA, mental martial arts. Into that idea, you know, it's, it's a skill you can develop as you're just navigating through life. You know, mm -hmm. like I said, the metacognition is the first step, noticing, noticing your thoughts, noticing your patterns, noticing your tendencies, noticing where your mind goes. What, what, what are you obsessed with, you know? I mean, but just noticing and noticing from a scientific perspective. You, so you can even take a piece of paper and try and write out your mind garden. You know, what are your interests? Where, 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 does, it, where does your mind spend a lot of its time? Oh, music. Oh, politics. You know, and you, you make your mind garden. And then you look at it and be like, hmm, maybe my Facebook um, plot is a little too big. <laughs> I think I'm going to try and like, but then you, got, you know what you, got, you have to work with. I'm going to try and weed that down. I'm going to take a week off, you know, blah, blah, blah. So, and then, oh, my gratitude plot's a little too small. I'm going to try and like increase that. So you, so you can make, you can draw out your mind garden that is present and then what, what you, where you want it to be in five years. You know, it's really interesting. It's fun. It's fun. And, um, yeah, I think another piece of metacognition, too, is just that presence piece. And sometimes the way we can get into metacognition is just looking at something beautiful. You know, a house plant, a nice plate of food. You know, we don't have to analyze. We can just be yeah. to get to that metacognition as well. I've really been working on this one a lot lately. Yeah, I'm presence. reading The Power of Now, and I'm pretty sure probably everybody's read it but me. But, <laughs> but yeah. I'm reading it, and I love it, and now I want to buy it for everybody. So if you haven't read it, it's really good. And so I've been noticing that I'm, I'm really working on this while I'm driving. I, my road rage is like way down. <laughs> I do a lot of driving. So I, I've really been noticing the trees and waiting to see mm. the buds mm -hmm. starting to change color. Mm -hmm. I love spring, so and the birds flying, and yeah. I get home and I sit in front of a house plant. Oh, it's just so beautiful, all of the, the way it lives in this home of mine. You know, it, you can really take this and run. You know, it it. Being present can be so beautiful. Yeah. And that's what all of the greats have said, right? All of the traditions and, and the sages who have really paved the way, their main message is be present. And it, it's so simple, but so difficult, especially now. But yeah. we, we're changing that. I mean, one, one thing that can... I mean, yeah... And, Jesus says, be still and know. Be still and know. 
still. It's like, okay. So beyond words, again, mm -hmm. that place that's beyond, beyond words. words. One thing that can help us become more present is just be really cognizant, be aware of our mental diet. And it's one thing I've, I've played with is going on a, just a media fast. No media, boom. You know, nothing, no radio, no. You know, and that, when you talked about driving and noticing the clouds, like if I'm on a media fast, I'm driving, and there's no, you know, there's no noise. And I've been on a media fast for a few days. That's when I start noticing the clouds. Mm -hmm. They're so beautiful. It's like, whoa. I would miss this if I was lost in my, like, analytical mind listening to some, like, political show or whatever, you know. I mean, so just work with um, your mental diet. That's something that people really don't t discuss much, but it's, it's really a big deal. If we want to be healthier, let's make our mental diet healthier. Mm -hmm. You know, let's stay away from negative. I mean, and easier said than done. You know, I've spent a lot of time in that over the last week or so, you know, but last week I did a Facebook fast. And put it, so I, I push back on it at least, even though, but I do understand it. Like the screen time is, is like a potent addiction, really. It's like, it's like a drug for me, you know. And, but I push back and I try and be moderate. You know, moderation with the, the screen time. and It just helps with presence a lot. Because otherwise it's just... <laughs> I, one thing I've noticed is that after scrolling for a bit on my phone... And I get done with that, and then I'm, I'm walking around. My mind is stunned. I feel stunned and dull. That's where my mind goes. And it takes me a while to recover from that. But I'm fully aware of it. And what I love about... My, I have not said I'm going on a media fast or anything like that, but it just works out that that's how it's going in my life. And... I find myself trying to scroll. I'll be like, I might as well. I've got five minutes. And like, so silly. And I put it down and I just look at the tree instead. And it's just so much more entertaining. Yeah. yeah. You know, and another, and this kind of is a good segue into this idea of self-forgiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, because I, I find myself... You know, like today I was scrolling, and then I got done. I was like, oh, man, I was, you know, I was mad at myself. I started hammering myself. So I went into the, the self-forgiveness protocol, which I'm going to talk about now, because that's another way to free up our minds, is if we can forgive ourselves more effectively. Because if we can't forgive ourselves, we're chained into this, this experience of the past, for whatever reason, you know, and that goes for others too. I mean, we forgive somebody else, not for them, but for us. Because again, it gets back to that freedom piece. If I want to be free from that experience, I got to forgive. I'm doing it for me. But it begins with self-forgiveness, I believe. And the self-forgiveness protocol is simple but it's effective, and there's four steps to it. 
first step, all humans make mistakes. I repeat that. I'll say it out loud. I'll say it in my mind. All humans make mistakes. Number two, I'm a human. Oh, I'm a human. Number three, I'm going to attempt to learn from this mistake. I'm going to try at least. It doesn't mean I'm going to learn from it for sure, but I'm going to try and learn from this mistake. Number four, I forgive myself. And the third one is really key. I'm going to attempt to learn from this mistake. And four, I forgive myself. And it's just, it, it's, a, it's a super effective way of just growing and developing. Because if we can't forgive ourselves, we're just doomed to make the same mistakes over and over. And even if we can forgive ourselves, we're doomed to make mistakes. Because we all, I believe, that's part of the human condition, we make mistakes. You know, and I have the tendency, when I make a mistake, I'll be like, how could you make that mistake? You know, I'm just like, I'm not supposed to make, you know, but it's, now that I make peace with that, it's helpful. Because I'm like, oh, okay, I'm a human. Of course I made a mistake. Of course, oh, yes, I'm going to attempt to learn from that mistake. I forgive myself. It's just a way of freeing ourselves to be more present and alive in the moment and feeling okay and feeling okay. Mm -hmm. Another piece of self-forgiveness and forgiveness is accepting the trauma. You know, and just I want to tie it back in because I know we're running out of time. And sometimes if you've experienced a lot of trauma, there's the question of how did I get myself in that mess? Did I bring that on to myself? And you know, all of these questions of why did this happen to me? What did I do in a past life or whatever? And if we can get to that place of accepting, okay, this is how it went and this is where I am and I forgive myself for having been in that situation and I forgive my I forgive the people involved in it, the situation itself. If we can get to that place, then we get to glean the wisdom. It's um, what I just saw is um, the wheat, the wheat from the chaff. You know, if you toss it up in the air and all the chaff blows away and the wheat falls back down, you know, if, if that's how we look at our life, and we let go of the burdens. We let go of what doesn't need to be there. We don't need to carry bags of chaff on our back to say, look what I went through. And take it out and look through it. And, yep, this is everything I went through. You know, put it back in the bag, carry it again. We don't need to. We can let it go and let the air take it. And I love this protocol. It is very helpful. It's helpful for not just the self, but for other people, people who make different decisions than us. You know, it's like, oh, they're human. Yeah, right. Instead of those people, I can't stand them, you know? Mm -hmm. Or the name calling, or all that stuff. You know, it's so popular in our culture. It's like, let's call names. Let's call people names. And it's like, whoa. Mm -hmm. That's not... Well, part of mindfulness is being discerning rather than judgmental. 
You know, let's be discerning. Mm -hmm. And yeah, other people are going to make mistakes, and I'm going to make mistakes, and everybody's going to make mistakes. And the way I see it, we're all kind of confused, you know? I'm just making peace with that. Yeah, and that kind of ties it back to what you were saying in the beginning about war and the war of ourself. We have to make peace with ourselves. Yeah. First and foremost. For and then sure. we will be bringing peace into the world. Yeah. And it's hard to trust that. It's hard to have faith that, oh, I'm just going to work on myself and, and the world's going to come into alignment, sure. You know, it, it sounds far-fetched, but why not try it, you know? I mean... It's destined to happen, probably. Yeah, I mean... Let's say. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess a, a little bit about how you can find out more about us before we go into the question and answer. Um, we are on Insight Timer. Does anyone know what Insight Timer is? Yeah? Yeah, I know. Insight Timer, it's an app, a meditation app, and it's a really great meditation app. So um, we are the Heart Mind Center and we've just started this organization a few months ago. And we do, we lead meditations, breath work, and satsang. Satsang means to bring together community to seek truth, spiritual community to seek truth. And this Sunday, we're going to have satsang here uh, in the commons for anyone who would like to join us. And we play music. Not much, a little bit of music, and talk about whatever is the most meaningful at that time. <laughs> about living mindfully is the main basic yeah. focus of pretty much everything we do. I mean, we do believe in it. To create change, you know, let's focus on the positive and create positive change. So instead of fighting the, the negative, we're just supporting the positive. Mm -hmm. Oh, and, and I really just want to say, this one stuck with me. Uh, Eckhart Tolle is talking about Buddha and Buddha's definition for enlightenment. It's the absence of suffering. That was big for me. The absence of suffering. At least having moments of it. Yeah. Moments of the absence of suffering. Less suffering. Well, the absence of suffering is enlightenment. Yeah. <laughs> a taste of enlightenment would be a moment. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I really do feel, considering that I used to be somebody who slouched down, would hide in the shadows, and like try to stay far away from people, and now I'm comfortable sitting on a stage talking. I would say I've overcome a ton, and it was because of this type of training. So I am, I'm living proof that it does work. Yeah. You have to do, oh, yeah. do the work, but. It does work. <laughs> it absolutely, absolutely works. Absolutely. I mean, it's, it's taking the world of psychology by storm because it's so effective. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, this stuff really works. Mm -hmm. It's like, whoa. Yeah, I should mention the Insight Timer app is free if anybody mm -hmm. is interested in that. And I do a Tai Chi class Saturdays at noon upstairs too. 
-hmm. here in the commons. So if anybody's interested in that. Um, and Tai Chi is a moving mindfulness. Yeah, Tai Chi is like a moving meditation, slow moving martial art thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's at noon, thank you. Sunday, the first Sunday of each month. Mm -hmm. Yeah, first Sunday of the month. Mm -hmm. and, um, Okay. Yay. Uh -huh. <laughs>